You're listening to Fresh Out of Experts. A show that mines the rich archive of Reddit to supply you with advice on dating, relationships, and love. My co-host Eleanor and I are not experts. We're merely people who survived dating in our 20s and 30s. Now that we're married, we want to share what we've learned. In each episode, my co-host Andy and I tackle the most common, comical, and when we're lucky, outlandish questions from r slash dating and more. So find a comfortable chair, pull on a warm sweater, and sip your favorite beverage while you listen to us dig into the stickiest dating questions the internet has to offer. How's it going? It's going well. How are you, Andy? Good. I had this idea the other day oh boy. Uh, for a date, a new dating app okay. to hit the market. This feels dangerous. It's called Canadian Dating. Do you know what a can? <laughs> Sorry, it's not called Canadian Dating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so is it called Canadian Dating or is it not called Canadian Dating? It's called Canadian Double Dating. Okay. So, okay. Uh, do you, do you have you ever heard of the tennis term Canadian doubles? No, I've only heard of the term uh, Canadian tuxedo. Yeah, that's where you're wearing all denim. This is Canadian doubles is a tennis term when you have like three people who want to hit the ball around, and so one side plays two people and one side plays one person. So it's basically two on one, and you call it Canadian doubles. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know where the origin of that name is. It could be potentially offensive. Let us know. Um, <laughs> oh, great. I've had like, you're like, I've got a great way to start the program with something that could potentially be offensive to every listener in Canada. <laughs> Sorry, Canada. Um, but so the idea is a dating app called Canadian Double Date, where you most likely, let's be honest. Most okay, likely, is this a threesome like sex app? No, it's going to be a date. And, and we'll be honest, it's mostly going to be women to maximize the efficiency of their dating schedule. They go on a date with two men at the same time. Oh, and then my God. There's like some sort of like. It sounds so terrible. It's sort Andy. of like an MTV dating show, kind of. You you have a date in the person that you like more. You like go in the bathroom and you like text both of them and they get like a text that says like you've been chosen or you haven't been chosen. The haven't been chosen person leaves. And then the date, the female date comes back out, sits down, and then they finish out their date together. How much time is it? Could it be like instantaneous to say I'm the woman and two men show up and immediately I am more attracted to one over yeah, the other? So Can I just stand up no, and the, go the to the ta- bathroom? The time is when the, when the single, the, <laughs> there will be one person who is the single and then two people who know they are the double. And the single, whenever the single decides... I know I've made my decision. They say, I've made my decision. I'm going to go to the bathroom. They go to the bathroom and then they send a text message to the doubles. I know. But what I'm saying is, is there any requirement that the single who's the decider has to sit at the table for any amount of time? No. I mean, it sounds miserable for maybe everyone involved, but I do like the name. Yeah. (laughs) Being the person who chooses feels like so the single the single person feels like just the it's just like it's already awkward enough to go on a date with one guy and reject him i don't need to go on a date where i have two men one i'm going to have to reject like on the spot and then still go on the date with the other man knowing there's still like only a 20 percent chance i'm gonna like him 
then yeah. I might have to reject him. So now yeah. I have to do two you get rejections. Two bad dates out of the way in one night. I think it's a kind of a two birds one. <laughs> no, situation. you get two bad dates in one night. That's what you're saying. I could just yeah, but get like, one. In the, in this modern in these modern times, we all have busy schedules, and dating takes up a lot of time when you're actually doing it, and you're like in your 30s. And so, if you can only devote like one or two nights a week to dating, you're kind of upping your efficiency game by going on a date with two people. question can you not put your hands down your pants in the middle of this please cut this i know you're going to include this in the, the podcast look well don't stick your hands in your pants in the middle of the podcast genitals are external to their body and sometimes you get into uncomfortable while you're sitting you get into uncomfortable spots where the genitals aren't fully comfortable oh and you God. need to rearrange them it's just that it's every 15 minutes for you so i don't know what to tell you and you'll do it like at dinner at like a nice restaurant, you'll like stand up, stick your hands down your pants, rearrange your genitals in front of everyone in the <laughs> dinner party and then sit back down. And I'll be like, I don't know him. I've never met him before. Uh, my genitals are a little more unwieldy than other folks. And I will apologize, but I won't. I don't know what to do. I can't discipline them. Let's get to the question. <laughs> User Amy Elzara one writes. My partner and I have been dating for almost nine months. When we started talking, he mentioned he very occasionally, I think two or three times a year, takes shrooms and MDMA at supper times. At first, it never bugged me. He took MDMA, MDNA? M-D-M-A. Well, that's what I thought it was. But then my spell check like kicked in and it's oh. M-D-N-A on here. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. He took MDMA once when I was with him, and because I was drinking, I didn't really think much of it. Then he did it again while I was only high on weed, and it made me uncomfortable. But I just kind of ignored it, thinking that since he only does it two or three times a year, it's not a big deal. Tonight, he and his friends are doing a psychedelic experience around mindfulness. It's great that he wants to improve his mental health, but the whole idea of him taking shrooms makes me feel very uncomfortable. He wouldn't be around me at all while he is high, but the overall thought just doesn't sit right with me. What should I do? Is this more of a me problem, something that I need to work on, or should I talk to him about it? All right, Andy, I believe you have a history of participating in recre recreational drug use. Have you ever had a partner who was uncomfortable with it? Um... Probably, but I just steamrolled them. Like, <laughs> I rolled right over that. Tossed Discomfort. acid down my belly, just eating acid and mushrooms and all sorts of stuff <laughs> on a regular basis. So, you know, I never had anyone who was like really like at a crossroads, like had a big problem with it. I do think without like not to be a total jerk uh, and I'll explain, but this is sort of a this is a me problem for the person like this is something this is her hang up and she probably has to figure out what she needs to explore and do like if it's get a partner who never ever does MDMA or mushrooms, um, then that might be it. But right off the bat is like explore why you're uncomfortable with it and what you what boundaries you need to set and and how you can. And figure out whether you can be with someone who does these things on a regular basis. I mean, that's first and foremost. You no longer use any drugs. No, I've been sober for quite a while now. And 
I I don't use drugs except for that one time or those couple times where I tried to trip on mushrooms and then just got into my sleeping bag. But what if I decided I wanted to use drugs? Like what if I said, hey, I want, you know, a handful of times during the year I want to try some shrooms or I want to drop acid or MDMA or I just want to be more recreational in my drug use. How would that make you feel now? I'd feel great about it. <laughs> I, would I rather, would feel great about it. I'd rather it, you do acid than like drink a bottle of wine. Well, then that's unfortunate because I would rather drink a bottle of yeah, wine. Than and do I don't acid. mind if you drink a bottle of wine, but I like that's my hierarchy of what is cares. that? Why? Like that's always been something you've talked about is like that like you have. I mean, you have zero stigma around recreational drugs and it, it, at least the ones that they're talking about in this Certainly context. The ones they're talking about in this context. Um, why, why is that? Talk to me about that. Uh, I think that they can be mind expanding. They can be, they can help you get gain a new perspective of who you are and what the things are that you're seeing around yourself. Um, they can give you new perspective on the relationships you have. They sort of allow you to step outside of yourself and look at yourself from a different angle. It sounds like you haven't had any bad experiences where like this type of drug use has come in between you and a partner, but have you seen it go sideways? Yeah, yeah. I've seen some gnarly shit out there. Yeah. But I mean, (laughs) okay. I've seen some real gnarly shit, but like in terms of like an actual relationship, I I haven't really. I mean, there's a difference between two or three times a year and abusing drugs too. You know what I mean? So. For these specific drugs, let's just call, say, like psychedelics. Like if you're abusing psychedelics, that's a pretty gnarly place to be. And that can certainly drive a wedge between even a, like like a really tolerant, you know, like a really tolerant person that can be hurtful and harmful and not fun to be around. I mean, a, drug abuse is drug abuse. And and I think there's one really easy thing is that you just don't hang out with them for the, those two or three days a year. Like right. that's really an easy one. I, I will say this one makes me realize I have some work to do around this because I definitely, you know, I was in a long-term relationship where my boyfriend did like shrooms every like once, twice a year, whatever, like very, very sporadically. Yeah. Very similar to this person. And, and they, yeah, I mean, they did recreational drugs to this extent, like a couple times a year. And I didn't, nor do I now, now do any recreational drugs, but I didn't at the time. And it didn't, to your point, I'm thinking about it now. It, it didn't bother me in theory, I guess. It did bother me to be around them. Sure. It's I not mean, it's that not fun like, to be around somebody no. who's on ecstasy and you're not. It's like, not it's that like, fun to be around somebody who's drunk when you're not or high sure, when you're sure. not. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. And I think that that was like, it was, it was moments where I'd be like, I don't know that I want to be around this person, which was hard because like you want to be around your partner and you want to like want to be around your partner. I also think a healthy part of any relationship is like figuring out how to take space from each other when one partner wants it and one partner doesn't. It just may be that your your boyfriend in this case wants to do mushrooms with his buddies and have a really cool time. And you're more than welcome to be there. But if you don't want to be there, that's also great too. And like, it may just be that you wanted to go see a movie with him and not have him do mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. And you got to, you know, and, and whether it's going on a camping trip or it's um, going to see a concert that him and his friends really want to see and you don't care for, or whatever it may be, there's always a time in a relationship, especially like, you know, the nine month point is still not too late for this to happen where one person wants to do something else and the other person just wants to be together. 
And the person who wants to do something else is more than fine if the other person's not there. And that can be kind of hurtful, you know, like there can be a time where I want to go camping with one of my buddies and you want to go camping too. And I'm like, well, it's just going to be us. It's just going to be me and my buddy. Is that cool if you stay behind? That's like, never happened, by the way. That's never happened, but that could be a hurtful time for someone. That was just a scenario. He also he also used that exact scenario when we first started dating to tell me that like he doesn't do well with clingy girlfriends. And I was like, I don't believe I use that. I, <laughs> you definitely did not work, use the word clingy. You were smart enough and savvy enough not to, but you definitely were like, sometimes I'm going to want to go, going to go, I'm going to want to go hiking with my buddies and like probably just have it be a guy's thing. And I was like, okay. And then like to this day, there has never been one time where he has not invited that me was, to go hiking. And I've been like, yeah, I don't want to go with you guys. Yeah. That was when I first moved to Seattle and thought one that I would have more friends <laughs> that that you would have friends that I'd have more friends than <laughs> like two or three that I have but number two I like in all seriousness I think that's actually especially when I was younger like in my 20s when like relationships at least for me were more codependent like that can be a really big moment in a relationship is that first time where someone else is like oh I'm gonna do this and you're not invited sure that is a huge moment, and I've like seen a lot of people, both male and female, fall apart when that happens. Totally. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I don't. I mean, I was that woman in my twenties. <laughs> it's not like I don't recognize it. And I was the boyfriend who's like, not only am I gonna go, but I'm not gonna answer your phone calls. I distinctly remember a day when I like my boyfriend was like, I'm gonna go play squash, and I was like, but we're gonna go to brunch. He was like, I did not sign up to go to brunch with you. I'm gonna go play squash with my friends, and I was like. <sighs> That must have gone over well. I mean, I... The I, most persuasive human on earth. Well, the thing was, it was like, I also, I felt really abandoned. And I was like, you know, what's going on with me if I feel abandoned when my boyfriend goes to play squash because he wants to? Like, that's not a good look. Yeah, and look, that can be really hurtful. And you can still, like, step outside of yourself and be like, this what's, is go a what's going thing? on with me? This is a me thing. Or you can be like, I need to make sure my boyfriend never does this again. <laughs> I need to make sure that this is a uh, lockdown. We need to make sure if we go forward, we don't ever make me feel like. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had friends who've dated people who like that, like are not taking it, are not stepping outside of it and looking at it from a different perspective and like being like, whoa, objectively, am I being like a little clingy or codependent right now? It's like, you've done this to me and you need to undo this to me. Okay, let's hear what the Redditors have to say. User, for some reason, this user handle is... Um, oh, it's this one? Because like all the other ones are so normal. <laughs> user forever underscore Florida. Okay, that's like, a, that's at least like coherent. Everyone else is like bizarro world. But stuff. like Florida is bizarro world. So if you're forever Florida, are you the ultimate bizarro world? No, because people are weirdly super patriotic about their states. As a person can you from be Ohio? But can you be patriotic to your state? What's patriotism? Is it? No, let's just say nationalistic. Patriotism. But Nash, that's even, I think that's even more removed. Nationalistic? Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm using terms that describe a feeling about your country, but I'm saying for your state. So I understand that these have a connotation of country. Anyway. Anyway. Anywho. User. Oh, also, P.S. It's 
fever underscore Florida. I okay, that's even cooler. You said forever. I misread it. Fever underscore Florida. Now okay. this guy's like a fucking baller. I guarantee he Let's has like a T bird. He's got one of those T birds where the T birds paint like the birds painted on the front of the car. Oh, user fever underscore Florida writes MDMA and shrooms are totally separate categories. For example, I don't drink, but I do smoke weed daily for my PTSD and appetite. I dabble in shrooms from time to time, but that's the extent of my experience. Some people think weed is a drug. I personally don't. (laughs) You have to sit with your man and define what are quote unquote drugs and what a healthy frequency for use means to you. Everyone is different and communicating helps when you have strong feelings about things like that. Okay, wait a minute. Well, you need to sit down with your man and define what are drugs. I don't, you don't get the, like, what are you, Webster Dictionary? You don't get to do that. I love that he's like, <laughs> some people think weed's a drug. I personally don't. Well, yeah, yeah. But like, it, it, like, let's just clarify for the listeners who are probably smarter and more expert than us. Weed is a drug. Some people think oral yeah. sex is an infidelity. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy. When in Rome. yeah. yeah. Fever Florida is coming in hot. Okay, but I think <laughs> this is like also there's some there's some stuff in right there right. Too. So I think what I would like to ask you is like, are there categories where you would say, hey, two to three times a year, cool, whatever, do your live your life, and are yeah. there places where you're like, yeah, if, like if Eleanor goes there, we aren't. That's a real boundary in it. In it, no. With which type of drugs you're doing? Or something? Yeah. Uh, no. So I think drugs are chemicals that make your body do different things in there. Some people have even described them as tools. <laughs> doctor, Dr. Andy over here, drugs are chemicals that make your body do things. I mean, and, and it sounds crazy to say this, but like if you did meth once or twice a year and you could like not do meth more than that, I don't know if I'd have a problem with it. That is... But the the likelihood of someone who wants to do meth just doing it like once a year in like a mushroom, a, a holistic, or a uh, what, did, what did they call that before? A mindful psychedelic experience is, is unlikely. There is an academic though. Isn't there an academic? Yeah. Who- do you know who Hamilton is? So, sorry, I don't know the academic, but do you know who Hamilton is? He's like Vice's guy on drugs. He's like a pharmacologist and he knows a shit ton about the biology and chemistry of, or about the chemistry of drugs. And he kind of talks about this sort of, he talks a lot about this stuff. Like drugs are chemicals. They can be, they are not, they are neither good nor bad. They are just, and you can misuse them. You can take too much. You can take them too often. And that's typically when people run into problems with them and have problems. But like, that doesn't necessarily mean like a drug is inherently evil or something. Right. Well, and we know that like, cultural conditioning can take that same, you know, that same stimulant and vilify it in one population and, and not in another. I mean, the crack cocaine like epidemic was, was that drug was widely used by white people and they were just not criminalized just because like a drug has a social stigma around it does not necessarily mean that it is like quote unquote better or worse. Society says drug, one drug's better than the other. Like I had a right. friend, I had a friend in college who was from China and he was like, Oh, in China, like cocaine's not looked at as that bad, but weed is looked at as terrible. Like if I parents caught me with weed, they'd be way more angry than cocaine. That doesn't mean cocaine is better for you than weed right. or whatever. And of course some of them have more higher levels of toxicity and things like this. That's of course true. 
So yeah, and addiction again, rates are higher for that's certain also a frequent That's a frequency thing problem too. So right. Um, I mean, we did prescribe opioids as though they were chiclets for yeah, two decades. Sure. And so with that being said, I agree with this person that mushrooms and uh, ecstasy are not the same thing. However, they're not like wildly different. And like, it's not like, oh, if he's doing ecstasy, you need to break up with him. <laughs> oh, <doing laughs> yeah. mushrooms, he's a chill, chill ass bro. Right, right. Like that's certainly not the case. Well, so. you said this in the past too, which is like you quit smoking weed because you were like, I want to be, I, I like, this isn't necessarily serving me that well. I'm really interested in being in a relationship. And like, there's certain things that like, I want to be available for that weed's not allowing me to be available for. And that it wasn't because like weed is bad for you or somehow making you a bad person or undateable. Yeah. And I've done a lot of drugs and weed was the one that I wanted to do the most all the time. And I was like, quote unquote, addicted to the, by, by far the most, like, right. And it wasn't like super detrimental to my life in a lot of ways, but it was actually kind of detrimental to my life in a lot of ways. So talk, talk more about that from an emotional standpoint, like I was using it to cope with and help myself avoid my emotions, my anxiety, my, my boredom. Like you don't get bored when you're high. So you like, and, and boredom's a powerful tool. It's what makes me read every night. It's what makes me write in the morning. It's what, um, makes me go for walks every day. Things that I love boredom is like a tool I use to, to push me to do those things and deep, deep shame, but we won't get into that. Um, <laughs> I was using marijuana almost around the clock. Anytime I wasn't at work from morning to night, I was smoking all day long, like humongous amounts. So, you know, it never was super detrimental to my life, but it was making me, I, I just realized that I was not happy doing it anymore. And so I quit. Right. And then when I quit, I was like, oh, fuck, I'm coming. I'm, I'm numb. Like when life gets hard, I feel emotions and they're difficult to deal with. And normally I would just get stoned to the bone and not feel them. And so I'm going to have to learn how to fucking deal with all of this. And yeah. that's when I like five years ago started like being like maybe avoiding all of my problems and my uh, emotions is not good for me anymore. Right. It's not and, serving me or keeping me safe anymore. Right. And it goes back to what you were saying, which is like explore why this makes you feel uncomfortable and also be respectful about whether or not it is actually a negative influence on your partner's life or like, you know, I haven't I'm not I wasn't ever super interested in drugs after high school. I did drugs in high school and was like, yeah, that was really fun and and also really shitty and I don't want to do it anymore. But I have a long and fraught relationship with alcohol. And I also have a long and fraught relationship with like other things that we don't talk about as being particularly problematic. Like I really like TV and I also like to shop and I do these Social things. Social media for people is, yeah, a, is I do a these things. powerful drug because of all the same reasons you were smoking weed, yeah. you know, like I don't want to feel things. I'm bored. I want to like escape from the work that needs to be done. That's maybe more difficult, but ultimately more rewarding at the end. And that's stuff that like, I don't know if, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are those questions on Reddit, which is like <laughs> my wife shops too much. What do I do? But yeah. it's often like we, we allow for those things. We allow a, a wider breadth of allowance for those things than we often do for things like drugs. We definitely look at them differently. We right. There's all sorts of addictions in this world that we have, uh, and they are often self medicate forms of self medication to treat similar things. But we look at them wildly different. 
But yeah, I mean, as long as your boyfriend isn't calling his, starts referring to his bedroom as the trip chamber, you're, you're probably <laughs> safe. <laughs> All right. User Violet Sky Dreams responded, you don't need to work on anything. You have a right to... <laughs> <laughs> you have a right to your own opinion. Take some time and really think about if this is what you want in a partner. If you're young, do you want to wait and hope it's a phase? If not, or you don't think it's a phase, break up. I feel strongly about drugs and I won't date anyone who does them. I don't need to judge anyone or be judged for not wanting to be around drugs or those who are doing them. You get to decide what you want and don't in your life. Where are we at though with the fact that at the end of the day, we talk about this a lot on the podcast. Boundaries are boundaries sometimes. And these are potentially fair boundaries maybe for each of them to have that are just not congruous. Yeah. No, I mean, I said that at the beginning, like you need to sit with yourself and say like, is this a thing that is okay, but just not be around? Is this something I am okay with if it's two times a year and I'm around to monitor safety? Is this a thing that I can't live with? You got to figure out what your boundaries are. Because I think that this person's sort of having trouble figuring out what their boundaries are with it. Right. They know that they have them in there, but they haven't figured out where those are. Step one, figure out what your boundaries are. Communicate them to your partner and see how they feel. And then see if you guys can live together with those boundaries. Right. And a lot of times like setting boundaries is that twofold experience of understanding where your emotions are coming from. Is it because of some past experience? Is it because of something you've learned from other people that may or may not still be true? For example, I, I don't think dare was effective, but the like the colloquial like drugs can be unsafe, drugs can be damaging is still a little bit inside of me. And so sure, they can be even when I've done people die all the time from <laughs> taking drugs. <laughs> Eleanor, drugs are not always safe. But even when I've taken mushrooms in the last couple of years, I've gone into it like a little anxious being like, oh, like, okay, I hope this is a good experience. For I sure. ho hope like that I don't get sick. Especially I hope psychedelics. that. psychedelics. Yeah. And I like, like if I see a sugar cube, my like tongue starts watering <laughs> and my butthole puckers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's just like, I think, but like knowing that, oh, that's maybe that's a little bit of where I'm coming from. Like, I'm just a little scared for you and I just want you to be safe right. and I don't trust, I don't trust it. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a very good chance that this person's coming from a very good place that's with so their, serious. yeah. And again, figure out what your boundaries are and why you have them. I love the person who's just like, you don't need to work on anything. Like, <laughs> Whoa. Okay. okay. That's a strong way to start All a sentence. Everyone needs to probably work on something. And what you need to work on is just figuring out where your boundaries are on this. And I think it'll make you understand the situation a lot better and be able to communicate with your partner, your boundaries so that you guys can both feel safe in this scenario. The best part about having a partner is having someone to talk through things with. Like, Yeah, it can help I, you figure out what your boundaries I, are. Yeah, I get that you're going to Reddit because you're like, shit, am I supposed to break up with my boyfriend or do I stay with him? Like, that's not the question yet. Like, no, you, you know what I mean? You don't like, need you to have to... like a fully baked solution to come to your boyfriend with and be no, like, no, yeah, here's my, you actually <laughs> here's my Ted talk on your <laughs> ecstasy. Use. Yeah. You actually get to say like, I love you and I want to talk about it. Cause I, I am like feeling different conflicting feelings about this. And it's like, I don't even know necessarily that you need to do anything about this. Like, I think we should just talk about it because I'm learning stuff about myself through this experience that like, I haven't really grounded yeah. in yet. I know that that's not everyone's relationship, but I really do think that 
more vulnerability you build into your relationship, the safer place it's going to be and the easier it's actually going to be to come to these conclusions. If you go to your partner and you're like, hey, feeling uncomfortable when you do that. And I'm like trying to understand what's going on with with me. And they're like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. I don't want to hear. I don't want to guilt you to guilt me. I don't want I'm not going to change this behavior. Well, hello. Like what an amazing, interesting, you know, data point you have. Your partner is that insecure around this topic that they are going to make you talking about it with them into some sort of like defensive confrontation. Like, yeah, great. You got that information. But I can almost guarantee you if this guy's doing some mindfulness, psychedelic yeah. expeditions, like he's probably open to the conversation. If he's tapping into the spirit molecule. He's probably oh, open okay. for some combos. Uh, well, also like what I would say is to your exact point is that like we sat down at one point and had a conversation about alcohol. I was the one who initiated it. It wasn't really even about you. I didn't really know what I wanted to talk about, but I knew I was having strong feelings about it. And by us talking about it, I got a better idea of why I was feeling the way I was feeling and why I like felt so compelled to talk about it. Well, and we've been together for what, four years now. And like my relationship with alcohol has changed a ton of fucking times. Like it's, I've evolved in in my relationship. Yeah, I have evolved in my relationship with alcohol dramatically and disparately in the four years we've been together. And so like the, like we revisit it a lot because I need to revisit it a lot. And it's not like, so it's like, it's also okay if you guys come to a conclusion tomorrow about this topic and like six months later, you want to talk about it again. Like there's no, there's no like uh, danger in that. That's just the reality. I guarantee like whatever situation you come to, if you really work through this, like in two, three years, you might feel totally different about your boyfriend tripping balls. Like, yeah. and he may want to take mushrooms seven times a year. And and then you're going to have to figure out how you feel about that. Well, and and I mean, statistically too, it probably will become less of a, a priority. Yeah. Like honestly, as people age, they tend to age out of behaviors that we've done in our youth. And like, that's... I don't know that many people who want... All of my friends who took psychedelics, like you, it tapers off over time. Right. Don't bank on that. Have the conversation. But you're, I mean, you guys are both going to evolve, man. And it's like, if you're, if as you grow and learn about each other and about yourselves, you look at these points of conflict as like make or break moments, like you're going to break because there's going to be more of them. There's going to be them about drugs and about sex and about money and about, commitment and about moving and how you live your lives. So like, you know, Annie sat me down and was like, this is how I'm feeling myself about behaviors that you have. And yeah, it's scary. But like, I feel way closer to my husband knowing that we can have those conversations and we yeah. built trust that those are safe spaces for us both. And we'll both respect each other in those spaces. Then I actually, I'm like, I would be more scared of not having that than of the actual content of the conversation. Well, let's see. So sometimes I write these TLDRs significantly in advance of our conversation. So I haven't read this since I wrote it. And I'm curious to see if I even stand by my TLDR. As with anything that triggers you in a relationship, you've got to figure out the why behind your feelings. Once you understand where this discomfort is coming from, 
share it with your partner. While you both may agree that your lifestyles aren't as compatible as you once thought, if you care about this person, try to work out a potential solution that you both can live with before you cut bait. Yeah. I mean, that was actually a very good TLDR. So the other ones are really bad. They're all good. They're all very good summations, but that one was more TLDR. That one was like shorter and sweeter and to the point. I've and I like I like your TLDRs because it actually like it's fun to hear what you were thinking before we yeah. actually. Say I've tr- it, I've tried to do an actual TLDR where it's a one sentence, but it often like feels <laughs> really trite in comparison to like, "Hi, I'm a person who's experiencing <laughs> a mental health crisis," and I'm just like, "Well, you're gonna have to get fucking yeah, like- therapy." Your boyfriend's going to eat mushrooms. Figure out if you're cool with it. <laughs> Just, no, the TLDR is figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I tell a story? No, this is not story time, okay. Andy. <laughs> of course you can tell a story. I just have this one thing. One time my buddies and I went to a fe- music festival in Colorado. And my one buddy, uh, our friend, KG, uh, we all went. Does KG want to be? Yeah, th- yeah, this is totally fine. Okay. This one is like totally harmless. Uh, so we went to this festival and then um, we all came back to Denver and KG was working at a brewery at the time. And he uh, went in for his shift like that day. And there were like these three like 45 year old guys at the bar that he was serving. And like they looked like haggard and rugged and like kind of gnarly. And they were like, yeah, we just got back from this music festival. And it was the same festival we went to. And KG was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like we went there. Like, how'd you guys, how did you guys have fun? They're like, once you have kids, don't ever take acid, man. Like (laughs) we all took acid and we freaked out and I like, I couldn't stop thinking about my family and my kids. It was such a bad experience. And like, we're here to drink some, drink a couple beers to try and take the edge off before we have to go back to our families. Oh, those poor, poor over the hill suckers. I know. They're like, we can take acid. We're still, we're still. <laughs> we're hip. We're cool. We're it's in the it. boys. We're the boys. You know, come on. We can do this. And then they just got. Yeah. Pound. They got acid can is a acid's the king of all of these drugs that we just spoke about. It's the top. It's the top dog. It'll right. it'll put you in your place in a good way. <laughs> I don't know if that was a good way, but okay. <laughs> this was fun. <laughs> Okay, great. Do you want to do it again sometime? We should do this again sometime. That sounds great. Fresh Out of Experts is a production of Narrowest, a website exploring what makes podcasting similar to and deeply different from what came before. You can find more about the show at narrowest.news and at narrowest on social. That's N-A-R-R-O-W-I-S-T. Our theme music is Only Knows, courtesy of Broke for Free. Additional music is The Dance by Kyle Cox. If you enjoy Fresh Out of Experts, please subscribe, rate, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does make a difference. See you next time.